0: So there's this man who has a vineyard, and a vineyard is hard work. The ground of Israel then and now full of stones you need to remove if you're going to cultivate a vineyard. And then, and then often you put a hedge or a wall of some sort to build that around the vineyard. Sometimes build a, a watchtower as well, all in the service of keeping out thieves and, and certain animals. Digging rocks, tilling soil, building this wall. A, a, a vineyard took a great deal of time and resources. In this man, he decides to plant a fig tree in this vineyard. And eventually, one day, you heard, he comes to have some fruit. Figs, you may know, have, have this sweet, honeyed flavor. Right, some have said they're a mix between dates and strawberries. And somebody interrupted the sermon this morning to say, no. <laughs> and it was a good interruption. And, they're like, and I said, well, what do they taste like? And, and this person said, they're just unique. <laughs> they are. It's really hard to describe this, this refreshing, unique sweetness that is perfect on a really hot day like the ones we've had, like the ones probably being had in Israel during ripening season when this man goes out to find this uniquely refreshing fig. And there's none. All this soil preparation, the rocks removed, the, the tree planted, the protective wall built, all the time waiting for the tree to do its thing, and there is nothing. So you heard the man says, see here, for three years, <laughs> I've been coming out looking for fruit on this tree, and there is, there is nothing. Can you, can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine working your own garden or, or a special project or maybe an assignment at work and going three years on it, and truly, nothing has grown, changed, progressed. Or imagine a relationship that's been carefully, lovingly, protected, nourished, cultivated, maybe like, like the one we have uh, with our children or, or a spouse, a loved one, a friend, a coworker. And then we hit a hard spot. And three years of counseling, three years of hard conversations, three years of following all the expert tips. And nothing, not really. You imagine a church or or a a nation or any entity of people who have been thoughtfully cultivated, protected, nourished, and then what if? I mean, what if there was no fruit? No new sweetness, refreshment, life? Have, Have you ever known a time when you've poured so much into the vineyard? But then you're coming back month after month, maybe year after year, looking for fruit. and Cut it down. Cut the tree down, is what the vineyard owner says. Why should it be wasting soil at this point? Eugene Peterson observes, if it is results we are after, chopping down the tree is just the thing. Clear the ground and make it ready for a fresh start. And we love beginnings, he goes on to say. Birthing a baby, christening a ship, the first day on a new job, starting a war. We love new beginnings, right? We love the obvious fact of of the evidence, the results. Where there was a tree, now clearly there is no more tree. Finally, something has happened. Even if it means kind of starting over, it, the results are visible. I, isn't something of, of, of that ache for, for visible, real change so powerful among us today? I mean, every election cycle at some level entails this belief if we could sort of chop down this person and raise up this person. Well, overnight then, we some measure of visible change overnight. We use our words, sometimes our actions, to hatch it through people or or, or things that we see are wronging us, are in the way. We can move quite quickly to boycott this or or shun that or or, or purchase this. All various ways to contribute somehow, very visibly, very immediately, with our financial choices, towards change. Some kind of visible, actual, doing something, change. It's not that actions don't matter. They matter quite a bit, as Jesus' entire ministry makes clear. It's, It's just... With this story, the longer we show up to vineyards that have been lovingly protected, nourished, and tended, and, 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 and somehow they're, they're not producing sweet fruit, the more every fiber of our being starts to just say, cut it down, chop it, end it, make it clear at least something visible has happened I mean, where would you say that frustrated desire to just top the whole thing down and start over most wells up within today? But then what if the fig tree is us? The people of God lovingly planted, tended cultivated in God's vineyard. Who, again, is Jesus' audience for this parable? What if, what if there are persistently stubborn areas within us Guarded areas that that don't want to open up, refusing the path of of, of forgiveness, or refusing a new humility, or refusing to, to, to look at what it really might mean to love our neighbors as ourselves. I mean, what if in some facet or other facets, we're the fig tree? And what do we hope then is the decision? Will a man work in the field, he has an idea not to have this, this fruitless big tree chopped down. Maybe, maybe it's a f- fast growth technology he has up his sleeve. Maybe a, a miracle grow, change your life 40 day kind of fertilizer that gets the fruit finally revving like it should have been all along. Maybe. He'll build all kinds of bells and whistles around the vineyard. He'll put up fresh signs and and new decorations and, and buy all kinds of new equipment and put just the right bumper sticker slogans on his equipment because maybe nobody will notice the fig tree that's doing nothing. If everything else looks great and says all the right things. Vineyard worker, what... What is your idea for not cutting down this tree? Sir, let it alone for one more year. The, the fig tree that's showing no promise year after year and is surely uh, welling up in frustration with you. Let it alone. Nothing. If we don't do something, if we don't speak up, we don't act, we don't. Let it alone because I am going to do something. I'm going to dig around it and, and put some manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. And if it doesn't, cut it down. Have you ever noticed how Jesus' stories, he likes to put things like yeast and salt and seeds and manure at the center of the story? Like, like, like things that, that sure have a lot of promise and helping go somewhere, but, but they are always so small and quiet, if not invisible, definitely unlikely. I mean, manure, it's refuse, right? It, it, it's garbage. It smells terrible. We work hard to avert our eyes and our nose from manure. Yeah, I I, want to use the garbage. The stuff people try to move out of the way from, the stuff that smells terrible, I'd really like to pour that in on the root system this year. Which is to say, instead of chopping down the, the stubbornly fruitless tree, what if the tree's roots sunk into the stuff that smells terrible, looks terrible? But then, as many of you also know, manure is teeming with enzymes and microorganisms that are vital to life. You know, how often it is tempting to look away from Our failures, our shames, our grief, the tragedy, the deep injustice from those who do not see the world in the same way as us, how tempting it is to look away from the manure of it all how often we would like to just surround our days with as much sunshine and smiles as possible but what what if we let our hearts slow down and look upon some of the manure of life our life around our life not to bring us down actually quite the opposite because for our god it's always in the refuse Always in the ugly. Always in the shadow of the valley of death. Always in the space of deepest pain, wherein the nutrients of resurrection are given. It's always among the foolishness of life and the foolish people of the world. It's always in the foolishness in the refuse. where resurrection happens. And so what if it's not really a season to chop him down, to chop her down, to chop them down, to to chop us down? What if the word for the season is this, let it alone. I'm going to dig around and work on them by way of the manure. The Quaker author and educator Parker Palmer tells about this story uh, of going on a program some four decades ago in his life uh, when he was in his early 40s. Uh, it was called Outward Bound. At one point in the program, he's the instructor there ties a thin rope to his his waist and, and tells Parker Palmer he now needs to rappel down this 110-foot sheer cliff. He's never done this in his life. Starts out pretty Terrifying and awkwardly and all the rest, but the instructor keeps guiding him, him through and uh, he's sort of making his way halfway down. The instructor says, Parker, I, I think you'd better stop and see what's just below your feet. It's a deep hole in the face of the wall. And, and Parker Palmer could see right away that to try to swing himself to the right or to the left to avoid the deep hole quite frankly, would lead to his death. He couldn't do it. So he freezes. Parker! Anything wrong? Instructor asked. And as Parker Palmer's hanging there, uh, he says he does not remember saying these words, but there are 12 witnesses who all said he did, in fact, look up and say this exact sentence while frozen on that rope with the deep hole below him on the on the face. He goes, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Then a second instructor replies, I think it's time you learned about the outward bound motto. Palmer, he writes, he thinks to himself, oh good, I'm about to die and she's about to give me their motto. And then Palmer writes it this way. But then she shouted ten words I hope never to forget, words whose impact and meaning I can still feel. If you can't get out of it, get into it. If there is a darkness or a pain or a brokenness or an uncertainty that sits within us or around us or below us, What if the wisdom is not so much figuring out how to navigate around it, act like it's not there, maybe just cut it down and get it out of the way. What if the wisdom is is somehow to get into it or or let our roots receive what is there to to embrace what is there, not because it's good or we want it or anyone should want it, but but because what if, The manure is full of nutrients. What if God is telling the truth when God says, I am with you in that? You know, just after the crowds were shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Which is to say, Cut him down! They put him on a cross, right? And Jesus, upon that cross, put there by the chop him down people, looks upon the chop him down people, and and he says, Father, forgive them. Got it. (laughs) For they know not what they do. The Greek word Jesus uses for forgive is aphis. In some contexts, this word means hands off, cool down, let it alone. In other contexts, it means forgive which is to say Jesus uses the very same word that our vineyard worker uses today. When the cries for chop him down, cut it down, and, and, and harness, harness violence to just make the change upon this person, the reply from our God is, "Aphes, Let it alone. Forgive. And three days later, He would make clear then and now that there is another way. It is is the soil of refuse and sin. It is the soil of failure and death. It is also the soil of forgiveness, the soil of resurrection life. Could it be the, 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 the uniquely fresh fruit that we ache for in these heated times of ours? is born from our roots sinking into the manure and believing he walks in the valley of that and raises in the valley of that. Let it alone. Sink into it. Receive the abundant nutrients only known by way of the manure. Amen.